When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think for South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then, in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina on the recruiting front, still Certainly plenty to talk about on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you back in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Again, thank you so much to our friend Larry Chandler for allowing us to be back out at Firehouse Subs in Sumter on Friday. Had a great time. We got to meet some of you guys and uh, enjoyed some delicious Firehouse Subs as well. But, guys, we talked about this during our show on uh, Friday as we were leading up to tip-off of the uh, round of 64 game for the women that day against Norfolk State. Uh, they ended up playing against South Florida yesterday. I mean, just two more dominant displays from Don Staley and this women's team, winning by 32 and 31 points respectively, and uh, kind of cruising into the Sweet 16 now. You know, we, we talked a lot with Chris Wellbaum and, you know, I, I think we'll probably try to have him on later this week as well. I thought that was good. We'll have him on leading into the Sweet 16 games. But, um, I mean, guys, the fact that you have built, you being Don Staley, you have built a dynasty that can go into the NCAA tournament. And, and I know these are the games you're supposed to win. I get it. But to, in my opinion, really not even play that well for for what your standard is right and then still win both games by by 30 points and to just have so many people involved in the game uh the depth on display and the ability to share the basketball the ability to share the spotlight you know uh, i saw don staley talking about Aaliyah boston could go for 30 15 if she wanted to but mm-hmm. she spreads the ball around you know, it's not even just – it's hard enough to figure out a way to efficiently keep everybody happy and share the ball just with, you know, a, a starting five. But, you know, th- this is a group that just, uh, you know, it, it's a it's almost a different person every game. And, you know, I, I thought that South Florida really was, was game. Like, I, I thought they, they didn't back down. Uh, you know, they gave it a, a pretty valiant effort. Uh, and, and Norfolk State, for that matter, they they did as well. But hey, they covered the spread. They did, and you know they they never they never let up. Like they, uh, I thought there were some great uh, moments from their coach too, talking about just the fact that they got to play on ESPN and play on this stage. You know, for them to even hang in there, uh, you know, I think is impressive on their part. But uh, I think you can sort of see Carolina is playing this thing obviously to win the entire thing as opposed to even having to necessarily focus on a game itself. I, I think they've they've done a lot of uh, substitutions, a lot of keeping girls fresh, 
um, you know, a lot of getting everyone involved, and it's a different person from night to night. But uh, just to to just kind of, I mean, I like your word. They just kind of cruise into the Sweet Sixteen, knowing that, like, I, I bet this will be a pretty grindy type week of practice, sure, because I think they know. They've they've got a lot more in the tank, and and maybe we're even a little rusty after taking I, I think twelve I guess it's twelve days in between the end of the SEC tournament and game one of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and that illustrates how dominant the program is that she's built. You know, most teams, guys, men's or women's, you you have an off night or don't play your best, you're out. Sure, South Carolina, you walk away from both those first round games and go, you know, they had dominant spurts. They were not dominant from start to finish. I, I would say in either of those games. I mean, you, start, you look at second half the South Florida game. You look at the vast majority of the Norfolk State game. Yes, they're dominant, but not not from start to finish. It's not like they. We, we've seen them jump out on teams. You know, here it is. It's fifteen to two in the first quarter, and the game's over before it yeah. even gets going. That that was not the case in either of these games, right? And so, you know, I mean, look the rebounding. <laughs> South Carolina, 55 rebounds to South Florida's 28. Yep. Look at South Florida shooting 29%, and a, a large part of that was South Carolina just clamping them down, especially from the second quarter on, really, or, or second half, I would say. I was going to say the second half of that game yesterday against South Florida reminded me a lot of like the third quarter against Tennessee towards the end of the regular season, where yeah. I think... South Carolina got down double digits in the first half of that game. You're like, man, what's going on here? But they clamped down in that second half and probably played their best quarter of the entire season. And similarly, yesterday against South Florida, there was an eight-minute stretch where the Bulls scored no points at all. And the stinginess of South Carolina's defense was on full display where they couldn't get inside the arc if they tried. Well, and and you look at South Carolina shot 42%. They only took nine threes. They made three of them. So their shooting percentage is... You know, forty-two percent is not great. It's fine. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball that well. They didn't right. take a lot of outside shots. Fifty-five rebounds. I think twenty-eight of them, no, twenty-four were offensive rebounds. They missed a lot of uh, layups, frankly, yep. close to the basket shots and second chance points. I, I don't remember what the stat is, but the broadcast gave the stat of hey, they have this many offensive rebounds at this point, and that was a lot. And only, I think it was like two or four second chance points. Right. So they were not as sharp as they usually are. But for them, the luxury is, well, you've got 11 players that scored in this game and you completely pulled away. And that's despite not playing your best. So early in that game, first quarter, I was looking at it going, okay, is this, is this that game mm-hmm. where they finally, not finally, because they've had some close calls this season, but it this one would be devastating because you're literally in the tournament or... Are they going to be fine and turn it around? And you typically, with this team, you lean towards they're going to be fine. They're going to clamp down. They're going to pull away. Yeah, it certainly strikes as one of those games that, if if nothing else, kind of gives you that refresh and wake-up call as you head into Sweet 16, and we'll find out who their opponent is tonight uh, between Oklahoma and uh, and UCLA for, for later on this week. They, they, I feel like they just have so many options that if, if it's not going well, then it's kind of next girl up. And for for them, I, I think that they are in a situation where they know they have such talent off the bench that they are going to put themselves in a situation where someone will spark this team. And then if if they're just struggling overall on offense, you you can almost feel the shift where they say, "All right, we're just going to clamp down on defense and just make life incredibly tough 
on our opponent. And I, I thought that's what they really did. And even, you know, once they clamped down on defense, the offense wasn't always necess- necessarily clicking, but right. um, it they just suffocated South Florida out of the gym. And I think that was kind of the, the difference in the game ultimately. And one of the teams that I think a lot of people thought has the potential to maybe give them a run for their money later on the tournament, Stanford goes down to Ole Miss last night. So that's one of the number one seeds that's gone down. And you look at you know the likes of Indiana, Virginia Tech. There's certainly other teams that maybe could match up well with them. But you know, on paper and what we've seen from these teams playing, I don't know if any of them are nearly as good as South Carolina. Well, that you know that was a game. I think you kind of would circle going in because you saw Ole Miss gave South Carolina fits. Yeah, and Stanford, you know, from what I've read, really hasn't played all that great leading into the tournament. So. You know, I think that was one you kind of circled as maybe being an, an upset alert, and it ended up being the case last night. And I, I think that really just obviously lightens up that side of the bracket for South Carolina even more. And, and I mean, the path is clear. Like you said, we don't know who they're playing this weekend, uh, you know, to tip it off. But uh, I think for, for Carolina, that's certainly a team that has – not just a team, that's a program where they have seemed to be on a collision course for each other the last five years, it feels like. And, you know, for them to go ahead and be knocked out, for one, lightens up the path. For two, I'm sure, not that they even need it, but I'm sure Don Staley probably uses that this week. And you say, look, hey, just because you're a one seed doesn't mean this can't happen. It still can happen. Even though it doesn't happen near as much as it does in the men's basketball tournament, it does happen in the women's basketball tournament as well. Told Wes, uh, Tyler, that I stayed up and watched the Stanford game. Mm-hmm. So. I think I was still working and watching, and that was at about 11.30 p.m., yep. which I do not stay up <laughs> that late. But I was up. I watched it. Uh, Stanford, whew, they kind of they kind of botched the ending of that game. Uh, you know, you could tell Ole Miss kind of ran out of gas a little bit at the end of that game, and Stanford had plenty of opportunities to climb back in it and just, just couldn't get it done. But, yeah, a, a team that I thought would more than likely be in the Final Four, Wes is right, they have not played – extremely well leading up to the tournament and I know Cameron Brink uh one of their one of their bigs their center who gives people a lot of problems she apparently had, you know, was sick or something like that yeah uh but they're out um a, a team to watch so guys team that South Carolina's already seen this season LSU um Angel Reese 25 rebounds or 25 points and 24 rebounds against Michigan as well as six blocks and three steals so they're playing really well, um, but South Carolina's playing really well, too. Again, two, the first two games, you don't even see their best, Yep, and and that's the result. So certainly points to what they've done and how good they are. So now as you move into the Sweet 16, these games will be played up in Greenville at Bond Scores Wellness Arena. Of course, the first two games of the tournament were played at uh, Colonial Life Arena. So, And I, I thought it was cool they got to have the curtain call yesterday for this senior class, the one that they called the freshies um, that would have come in, what, during the COVID year, 2019-2020. Uh, obviously didn't get to finish out that season because the tournament got canceled. You win the national championship last year. You're undefeated this year. Hopefully well on your way to another national championship. Can another single class be nearly as successful as this one has been, as we saw them play for the last time in Colonial Life Arena yesterday? I mean, it, I, I'll never put anything pa- past South Carolina at this point. I mean, it, it is possible. But it's going to be very, very tough. And, you know, I, I think I think what makes that class ultra special is the fact that they have stayed together 
you know, throughout. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been really easy, even with the success they were having, it would have been really easy for one of them just to be like, you know what, I love y'all, but I want to go be a star. I want to go be the star as opposed to sharing the ball like I have to here. And really any any one of them could have gone elsewhere sure. and, like, been – the star of the show, and and they didn't. They stuck around. They did it together, and you know, that that was a special moment for them to be able to get the curtain call. That was a special moment for Liv to be able to get a moment at the end and, and shoot a three and hit it and just have the bench going insane. Uh, you know, that that's someone else. Uh, you know, I, I think we probably forget. Liv could have gone to, like, a smaller program and probably started and scored points. I mean, she, she was – had an incredible high school career of her own at Lexington as a scorer. And for all of them to sacrifice what they have for the greater good of the team, you know, that that's more and more rare right? throughout sports with the transfer portal. So they're, they're going to have – there will probably be classes as talented as that one, even – I mean, even though the talent was obviously off the charts – Carolina can sign classes that are as talented as that just because that's how they recruit. Right. However, will they sign a class that will bond together the way that one did and be willing to do what that one did? That is probably a tougher hill to climb, I think. And not all top five recruiting classes are created equal. You know, if you kind of look at even at football, if you look back at Asia Wilson, her career, you know, they won a title. During her four years, they made another Final Four. Then they were Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. That's what all they had. But they lost 16 games total. Well, I say that like that's bad. But they, they lost 16 games, and they lost seven conference games. You know, this group has lost eight games total. They've lost three games in conference. A lot, you know, we, we can go back and debate it. I mean, they probably would have won the title in 19 and 20. They didn't have a chance. Then they made a Final Four and they won the title last year, and this this group has a chance to to win back-to-back titles, undefeated, all that stuff. So, totally agree. And, I mean, Asia Wilson has a statue of her outside of the arena, and this group has bettered, you know, the on-court accomplishments, or certainly if they can finish this thing out, they're going to have a chance to absolutely, no argument, better those accomplishments as well. Absolutely. As we head into this break, we want to let you know about the 107.5 The Game Spring Golf Classic coming up this Friday that are March the 24th at the Charwood Golf Club in West Columbia. If you want to take part in it, give Charwood a call at 803-755-2000. It's going to be $100 per person to register and $400 per team. Going to be giving away a tailgate spot at the upcoming Carolina Cup. Also, former South Carolina wide receiver Josh, ba- Josh Van going to be hanging out there. That should be fun. Perfect weather, by the way. Going to be in the high 80s, low percent chance of rain. An absolute gorgeous day for golf coming up on Friday. As you've heard us talk about, going to have some autographed gear from Gamecock athletes and one lucky person Win season tickets to all remaining USC baseball games with lunch also provided on Friday by our friends at Firehouse Subs. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the 107.5 game Spring Golf Classic. Speaking of South Carolina baseball, it was another successful weekend for them on the baseball field as they took on Georgia. Talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 
big. I mean, this league is really hard to do. Played a really good team in Georgia. They were hot coming in. Um, I, we did everything well this weekend. We hit, we pitched, we played great defense. We just played a complete weekend. It's great to see you out of this group. That was head coach Mark Kingston yesterday after the South Carolina baseball team swept the series against Georgia in the first game uh, in a comeback fashion 5-4 to four, and then run-ruling the dogs in both the second game on Saturday as well as yesterday's game on Sunday. I threw this out there last hour. Based on everything we've seen out of this team this year from the offensive and defensive side, especially pitching, I mean, this team looks Omaha-level good. And I feel like based on everything we've seen so far, anything less than that would be pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you, you hate to put it like that, I feel like, but um, they they certainly, you know, and I was a little wait and see. They certainly do feel like a potential Omaha team. I, I know Mark Kingston's probably like, all right, guys, like, let's 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 slow this roll a little bit. I think I, I think we're going to look back on this weekend though as being such a key, Chris. In that, I mean, you and I were talking during the break. the The league is just so freaking loaded and deep, and you know, I I don't think of Missouri as being the they're not even in the top five teams you think of that you have to worry about for SEC baseball. Like, I don't even think of them as an SEC baseball program. And Shots fired. Well, I mean, I just... <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And, and then here they sit. They're rolling as well, about to come into town. So, to go on the road, Georgia, you know, they're not ranked, but they're always a tough out, I feel like. And to go there and to get three and really set yourself up. I mean, it's it's a really a numbers game. And to go ahead and give yourself a little buffer by starting 3-0 and on the road as well with one of your, your road SEC games it is just massive, I, I think, for South Carolina. And this is going to be a grind. Like, everybody smiles right now. Everybody's happy. Dugout's going crazy all weekend. There will be some lulls. There will be times when people are ticked off and saying, where did this come from? Like that, That's just how baseball is, right? You rarely have the entire team hitting at one time. And for the most part, South Carolina has almost a full lineup of guys that are seeing the ball well right now. And you just don't have that happen. So that, that, that will flip. There will be a stretch. They'll run into some ace pitchers. I, I was most impressed, though, Chris, the fact that much like every team in the SEC. It's not a great Georgia team, but every team in the SEC, you're going to have tough opponents on the mound. And for Carolina to sweep that, uh, the two games on Saturday, of course, you got the one with the big hit from Michael Braswell, comes off the bench, gets the big hit, makes a big defensive play late as well. To do that, and then you turn right back around, and their stud pitcher who has given up, I think the graphic said, Four or five runs all year long. He was .44 ERA. Yeah, just... I don't care who you're playing against. That's really good. Basically, (laughs) he gave up as many runs to South Carolina as he had the entire year to that point. So, you're going against their stud. And I I was sitting there saying Carolina just needs to work the count, get him out of the game, and then attack their bullpen. Well, they worked the count and were able to put up some runs and get him out. And then they just went off at that point. So... It was it was impressive. They're going to face tougher opponents for sure. 
but you never apologize for a 3-0 and road sweep in the SEC. And I think a lot of people are now sitting here saying, well, I was waiting to see before, but I'm liking what I see right now from the South Carolina baseball team. Fully invested now, people jumping back on. And I think you make a good point. It's kind of like Mark Kingston said over the weekend. He was talking about Ethan Petrie, so not just his team, but an individual player. He said, let's not make him Babe Ruth yet. Mm-hmm. There's some things he still needs to work on. And, you know, he hit hit that one. like Babe Ruth he, on <laughs> Saturday. He hit that one ball that I, I joked on Twitter. They're, they're going to pull out the web telescope to try to find it um, in space. I mean, he absolutely blasted that ball. And, and look, you, you can say Georgia. We, we don't really know. Like, are they th- that good? Are they middle of the pack? Are they bottom feeders in the SEC? Are they top five? We, we don't know yet. Um, certainly they've put up some impressive numbers before conference play. Talk about Liam Sullivan, who got knocked out of the game after 3.1 innings. South Carolina tuned him up for five earned runs, a couple walks, right? And he has to leave the game. He had a .44 ERA going in. Georgia was one of the country's leaders in home runs, one of the country's leaders in slugging percentage. So everybody's been in the same boat before they start conference play. Those numbers, regardless of schedule, you can kind of measure them and, and bake that into your prism of how you look at it. But those are pretty impressive numbers. And South Carolina just kind of completely threw those out the window and demolished them and, you know, come from behind victory on day one when you weren't as sharp. Look, there will be games, to your other point, Wes, where, you know, if you kind of were splitting hairs, South Carolina struck out a few too many times this weekend. There will be games where they strike out too many times and then some of those balls that they hit don't go out of the park and they lose a game. They're going to lose an SEC game. They'll probably lose an SEC series at some point. That's fair to say, given the competition level. The uh, rankings haven't been updated in terms of the top 25, but last week's top 10 had six SEC teams. The top four teams in the country were from the SEC. And then to show you the parity, Tennessee was number two, and they got, what, swept by Missouri, who South Carolina sees next. So, it is going to be tough. That the results that we saw this weekend with a sweep and two run rule wins on the road, that's not what you should expect every week. But it was certainly a really, really good sign for this team of what they could be. And, and getting that start in conference play is critical because every win is going to be really important. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, by the way, D- D1 Baseball has put out their top 25. Oh, um, let's hear it. And I... I I think, personal opinion, I think they'd probably now do the best job of uh, of covering baseball. I guess Baseball America is still, I think those are considered maybe the the biggest major polls, but D1 Baseball, Baseball America, um, they are both now updated, and Colin has a article on Gamecock Central, but South Carolina is now 11th in the country in D1 Baseball and 14th in Baseball America, so... Uh, they were 19th in Baseball America last week, 14th now. Um, let's see, what were they in D1 Baseball? They were 16th last week. So you still, I mean, but you still have just SEC team after SEC team. Top five right now, according to D1 Baseball, LSU, Wake Forest, Florida, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. So, yeah, four of your top five so that, at this that, point. That D1 poll, they actually just released a new one literally a couple of minutes ago. And South Carolina's actually jumped all the way in the top five now. 
Wait, I'm looking at the D1 poll, and it's got them at number four, previously 14. Like, this just came out a couple minutes ago. Well, we need to take a break and uh, (laughs) check our sources. The one I'm looking at right now says 11th for South Carolina. We'll check that in the break. We'll check that in the break on the other side and confirm that. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head, on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. All right, back in on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. I will provide clarification to what we were talking about before the break there. The poll I was looking at is Collegiate Baseball's Division I poll, not not D1 Baseball's poll. It was I was reading the title of it wrong. Collegiate Baseball, which is the oldest baseball poll in college baseball, has South Carolina at number four, previously had them at 14, but D1's poll that Wes was talking about does have uh-huh. them at 11. So there's there's the clarification. That's bad on my end because I was looking at collegiate baseball's Division One poll, not D1 baseball's poll. Yeah, up, upward mobility for South Carolina in all polls, yes. you would say. Um, and, and it's, I mean, you're going to have a lot of different opinions at this point. We're still early. We're still early, at least in SEC play. And, you know, I, I think a situation where uh, conference play is going to determine what happens as far as the the ultimate seeding for these teams. But, guys, I mean, again, Missouri, not even a team that I normally think of, and they were not ranked, and now they sit at number 22 as they roll into, uh, you know, Columbia, South Carolina this weekend. So, our, you know, it doesn't get any easier for Carolina, and it I, I kind of feel like it's going to be a broken record type thing. Every single weekend in SEC play, we're going to be saying – this is a key matchup for South Carolina. This is a key weekend for South Carolina because pretty much every team in the entire conference is either actually in the top 25 or, you know, kind of knocking on the door for the top 25. Well, something that's not an opinion or up for debate is what the sub of the day is at Firehouse Subs on Monday. They're absolutely not. It is the meatball. It's meatball Monday at Firehouse Subs. Kendra who uh, works on our promotions here on the station, she had her first ever experience with not only the Firehouse Meatball Sub, but just one in general, and uh, absolutely loved it. She got it Wes's way with pepperoni on it. So if you want to check it out today, sub of the day, at any of the 14 Midlands Firehouse Subs locations, that's from here to Sumter. There's one right down the road here on Main Street. You can use the Rapid Rescue on firehousesubs.com to place your order and it will be waiting on you to pick it up. Wes even pointed out last week they will put your chips in the bag for you if you order chips. Do they make your drink for you, Wes? So you do still have to do that. You got to make your own drink. Okay. Yeah. I the, mean, the sign at the one in Sumter said everything's in the bag but your drink. So you, you still got to do that one on your okay. own. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Well, you got to, everybody does their drink a little bit differently. Yeah. You yeah. The ice ratio and all those they things. They got that machine in there that has like a million different <sighs> the freestyle combinations yep. you can do. So. Yeah. Yeah, but what they uh, what they will do for you is put your chips in the bag, and they will make you a meatball sub that is absolutely fantastic. If you want to add the pepperoni, go for it. You can also get the sweet and spicy one. 
But if you just want the old regular meatball sub, get it at firehousesubs.com. There's a sub of the day for every day of the week. That's firehousesubs.com. Also, if you've never tried their brownie, highly recommended. That was What was your rating, Tyler? Uh, One to ten. That's a solid nine for brownies. Which It's good. So, and I appreciate Larry Chandler for getting it for me. It was a, I let it sit out a little while before I finally ate it. So I think if I would have eaten it fresh, it probably would have been a 10 out of 10. Ooh. Are you a tough grater? A little bit, especially when it comes to sweets. I mean, it smelled amazing when they were making it. I'm a very tough critic on the old sweets. Yeah, so I mean, that should tell you. Uh, Rapid Rescue, just easy. Just click on the brownie, boom. In the bag. We'll put that in the bag for you, too. We want to talk a little bit of recruiting. We got some baseball points. Had a a pretty interesting weekend from the recruiting standpoint. Had some dudes. I mean, Chris, tell me if I'm wrong, man. I think that spring recruiting has like become more and more important because we know I I think you're already going to see these guys start to follow these same trends we've seen the last couple of years and that has been official visits in June then decisions in kind of July August trying to get things done before their senior year kicks off I I promise you like I I know for a fact some high school coaches like for their guys to go ahead and get it out of the way. And I think you're going to see probably the high school coaches who didn't have that opinion before or maybe just didn't care, they're probably going to take on that opinion as well because it really makes sense. If if we're going to start the process as early as we do now, and this is for the guys who already have the offers that they want. You know, if you're if you're still out there, kind of feel like you're under the radar, feel like you don't have an offer from the schools you want, by all means, I get waiting. But if you're a four-star kid, if you already have 20-plus offers, if you know what your top five or so schools are, then, you know, we're seeing guys go ahead and make decisions. But I, I feel like we are seeing spring just become a massive time period for visits and kind of – it's not even – you're not, like, deeming it a junior day or, you know, a cookout or anything like that. But we saw South Carolina just host – prospect after prospect last week Saturday was a big day for them as far as guys being on campus and I think this is your lead-in I'm my trend that I'm seeing is kids take four or five sometimes 10 15 visits during the spring and then they use those trips to trim down and and then take their five officials yeah you want to get your kind of ideal progression is to get first of all get guys get in the game with guys early and so to do that i mean you can think about some guys in the 2024 class with that right i mean cam pringle been on campus a hundred times i mean that's an exaggeration he's been on campus a ton and that started happening very very early probably what freshman year right after freshman year started being kind of a fixture on south carolina's campus but even for a guy that you get in the game a little bit later with you know you want to get a game visit when they're a junior. Then you want to get that spring visit. Then it, depending on the timeline, your timeline, their timeline, you want to land that summer official visit, then hopefully either get them committed or get them back for a game that season, you know, in order to get them committed. I mean, obviously when the early signing period came out for the 2018 cycle, one of our questions was, okay, how many guys will actually sign early in December? It was brand new. We could guess or we could ask some coaches maybe what they thought would happen or some players if they were going to sign. 
And what ended up happening is the vast majority of them did sign early. And so I think the calendar, yes, when a guy commits now, sometimes that just jump starts his recruitment and you're going to see some schools that have offered him go even harder. Some of those are going to happen, but the calendar has accelerated some where you're seeing guys commit earlier and earlier. Well, I think, you know, those those guys still the headlines, the ones that are that commit early and then still are just taking, you know, multiple other visits and just aren't really committed. But for the most part, Chris, I actually feel like a lot of these guys who early commit, for the most part, kind of stick it out. Yeah. And, and actually the trend, at least for Carolina, is these kids are recruiting guys to join them in Columbia. So you kind of, in some ways, I think you're a little bit more, you're a little bit more like just locked in when you have uh, when you have put in the effort to recruit other guys to join you. Like you are, you're committed to it. You have uh, you've put in like that. You have some equity in a class and in the future of a program when you have spent time kind of getting other guys with you. And I, I think that's what Carolina's seeing right now. They obviously picked up a uh, their first welcome home in a while. Has not been put out publicly yet. The kid has not put out his name publicly, but Shane Beamer tweeted out a welcome home on Saturday to signal that South Carolina had landed a verbal silent commitment at this point. And then a bunch of guys, I know you've talked to several, Chris. I talked to a couple of kids as well that were in over the weekend, and you can kind of see them start to lay the foundation, I would say, of the targets that kind of go beyond that in-state. I've always kind of felt like to start this class, you kind of had this in-state core plus Dante Reno was kind of going to be the core of the class. And now we're starting to see, all right, who else that's out there has that that sort of cross-section we always talk about or the intersection we talk about of mutual interest. And I, I think we saw several guys that maybe fit that category this weekend. There's also in the 2025 class, offensive line, where they've done really well. Uh, a few guys from the state of Georgia, and then David Sanders from North Carolina, who's one of the top offensive linemen in the country for the 2025 class. But yeah, to your point, Wes, I, here's a couple that come to mind for me. Out of those 2024 guys, Cam McKell from Georgia, Cam Michael from Georgia. He's a four-star defensive back that South Carolina's had on the board for a long time. And he's been on campus before. South Carolina sent coaches during the eval period, the contact period, to drop by his school as an underclassman and kind of check in on him. He's one where I feel like there's been a good bit of mutual interest. Had a story up with him on GamecockCentral.com. Ways to go there. He uh, hasn't really truly narrowed it down, but South Carolina, you know, at the minimum has a seat at the table. And then the other one that's interesting to me is is Peyton Lewis, who's a running back out of Salem, Virginia. Wes, uh, I think you got a little bit more on him. Yeah, I, I actually um, I talked to him for a while last night, man. Just a really outgoing, thoughtful kid, and 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 actually gave me a lot. Like this, you know, we every every kid has positive things to say about just about every visit they take. So you don't always get something that's just some huge news from these recruiting interviews. In fact, I would say you get less and less actual news from recruiting interviews these days. But he, you know, he pretty much just admitted that he had an idea of what South Carolina was before he visited. And after the visit, 
has a completely different sort of perception of, of what this program is and what this school is. So I think it's safe to say Carolina had a chance to just kind of blow him away, and they did. South Carolina's in the top two there now. It's South Carolina and Tennessee. Those are, he'd mentioned previously, those are two he wants to take official visits to. Penn State, highly involved here as well. And so also I, I think with running backs, you're always kind of looking who, you know, who are the other backs that these three schools are recruiting as well? How, you know, what's the order as far as who they want and who South Carolina wants and who Penn State wants? We'll have to see how all that shapes out. But I, I think for Carolina, this is someone, if you're a fan, you're definitely going to want to be tracking moving forward and, and a kid who brings a little different skill set to that position than we have seen uh, Carolina as far as the guys they've landed the last few years. So we head into this break. want to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to this Friday's contest against the Missouri Tigers in baseball. Got a three-game weekend set. This uh, pair of tickets for Friday's game. Be caller number five at 803-404-6100 to win yourself that pair of tickets. We'll come back and wrap up the day talking a little bit more recruiting here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. Discover Herndon Certified. Herndon Chevrolet is premier used car warranty. Shop with complete confidence knowing Herndon Chevrolet has got you covered. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, West, and Chris, along with you for a few more minutes. Halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next. Uh, you guys are talking about the weekend that was for South Carolina from a recruiting standpoint. How different is recruiting through the springtime with the spring practices and everything going on? Is it different than in the fall? Um, you know, how, what, what, is, what is Shane and his staff doing now with recruiting? I mean, I would say it's, it's somewhat similar, but with it being spring practice, you really have an opportunity to kind of show prospects the entirety of your program. It's not quite as in-depth as maybe an official visit, of course, when you have two full days, um, you know, really three days. But And I, I think for Carolina and for, for schools across the country, you're going to go ahead and kind of try to lay that foundation with prospects. You don't, in the fall... You're so focused on your football season itself, you're not really hosting prospects throughout the week. Like, you'll host them for games, and you'll host them for a weekend if they're on an official visit. But as far as right now, you're having prospects just rolling in and out on your campus at all times. And so you really have to be organized. You really have to be just ready. Uh, You know, I think uh, Loggins talked about that. There's no sitting around, um, you know, in your – there's no sitting around in your, your joggers. Like, you have to kind of just be prepared to host a mama if she wants to swing by. The drop of a hat. And you know what else you got to be prepared for, guys? Insurance. Especially if you're a business owner, right? If you're a small business owner in the Midlands, you got to think about everything you need to help your business succeed. You need happy customers. You need an overall plan. Steady cash flow, but you also need, very importantly, an insurance agent that gets you. And State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup runs a small business as well. Right here in the Midlands, she is a South Carolina native and a local agent. 
So she understands the unique needs that you face as a local business owner. She can make it easy to choose the right protection at the right price. Because one thing you don't need as a business owner is stress over your business insurance. So visit Amy Mason Cup's website at amymasoncup.com. That's M-A-S-I-N-C-U-P-P.com. Or give her a call, 803-772-5554. Again, local agent, South Carolina native. She and her team can give you a personalized quote to meet your needs and help you save. That's 803-772-5554. Her office is just off I-26 at St. Andrews and Ashland Park Plaza, a 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4. That's Amy Mason Cup from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Before we uh, continue the conversation, guys, too, we'll tell everybody real quick, tomorrow during the Garnet Trust Hour, that's Tuesday at 10 a.m., a couple different really cool segments we're going to have. First of all, Spencer Rattler is going to, uh, he did a full hour with us a while back. He won't be there that long. Uh, but he will be in for a little bit to tell us about a charity that he's partnered with, which is really cool. And they're also going to have Jay Brown and McGee Moody. Jay, former uh, national championship winning pitcher with the Gamecocks on the 2010 team, team captain, and McGee Moody, who spent many years here at South Carolina as the swimming and diving coach, uh, both with Cornerstone Financial Management. They're going to come in and chat with us and uh, answer some questions and talk about NIL, Uh, the financial aspect of that uh, with athletes and some of the things that they've seen in the space. That should be really cool. Well, and I want to hear what or what Jay has to say about the baseball team. Oh yeah. As well. Uh, Just absolutely. Again, like we said earlier, they're rolling right now have not really hit their share of adversity yet. Like they, they they're at, I think sky high as far as the the momentum and just the camaraderie right now within that program. So it will be very interesting to hear what Jay has to say about the progress of that team. And then on Thursday, we'll have Josh Van from Garnet Trust on the Garnet Trust Hour as well. Josh is going to be very busy with 107.5 this week. Not only will he be there on Thursday to talk to us and talk about his pro day, talk about his pro opportunities potentially coming up, but also he will be out there, I understand, on Friday at the golf event. And, you know, Tyler, you can tell him a little bit more about the golf event if you want. But yep. I'm very curious to see if Josh has a swing on him. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he gets out there and plays. We know he'll be there. I don't have confirmation if he's going to play or not, but I would hope so. Well, I mean, I feel like we could talk him into probably just, you know. Just take a swing. Yeah, at least. Just Let teeing off at least. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, we do have a quick question on the Firehouse Hubs t- text line from William, 803-404-6100. You guys were talking about um, the difference in recruiting between the spring and the fall. Uh, he's just looking for a little more clarification on the difference between official and unofficial visits. Well, the simple part is official. Everything gets paid for if you're the prospect. Unofficial is just anything else, like any other trip to campus. And you, you can only take one official visit to a certain school. So you can take five total, but for, for, you know, South Carolina, for example, you could only take one official visit to South Carolina. You can take as many unofficial visits as you want, assuming the school wants you to. Like, you can't just be a third-string left tackle who doesn't play. Like, you you have to be invited. But any, you know, any situation there where uh, you take a visit and it's not an official then that would just fall under the unofficial category. In that case, like you'll see, they'll have like a cookout, but 
there actually be, you know, it might be $8, it might be $12. There's a certain amount you have to actually charge them okay. if, they're, if you're going to be providing food, if you're going to be providing a service or something like that then that has to be baked into a price of an actual ticket. And these, these are the things that a lot of schools get in trouble with about the NCAA over is, well, this guy wasn't supposed to be here at this weekend for an official visit. It was unofficial, but so on and so forth. We've seen a lot of schools get in trouble for those kind of things. Yeah. There's a lot of little micro rules. Like you can't, you can't pay for the parent to fly. You can pay for the parent if they're in the same car and drive. Right. Not just silly things, quite frankly. Well, we know the NCAA is a, Silly organization at times. <laughs> we could do a whole show on that. To say the least. Anyway, that'll wrap it up for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Back in here tomorrow, same time, same place with you from 11 to noon. Coming up next, Halftime Show with Jay and Terry here on 107.5.